Hey, you guys, I just wanted to take this opportunity and to let you know we have the up-and-coming Game Changers Summit live coming up on January 27th to 29th, a three-day virtual experience with 24 world-class game-changing leaders from around the world. Uh, We're going to be talking about entrepreneurship, marketing, branding, personal development, health, uh, self-mastery, business and leadership, just to mention a few. Uh, we're going to be featuring Dr. John D. Martini, Marshall Goldsmith, Bob Berg. Uh, we're going to be featuring the uh, Instagram influencer, Natasha Grano, and many, many more. Now, you can, you can become a participant in the Game Changer Summit Live for free. All you have to do is go to the following URL, https colon forward slash forward slash www.thegamechangersummit.com forward slash sign up hyphen form. For more information, click on the link below uh, because honestly, this is probably the David versus Goliath of all summits. It is the summit of the year. See you soon. Take care and we'll see you there. This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience podcast with myself, Adam Strong. And today we have on the show, Mr. Ash Lawrence. Ash is a performance psychologist specializing specifically in sport and business. He's also an author. He's written three amazing books as well. And I've known Ash for quite a number of years, actually. He's got some great networks, and and I love the fact that he really... um, loves to help people and impact people around the world. So, Ash, welcome to the show, man. Welcome to you too, Adam. Thank you very much for inviting me. Love it. Can't wait. <laughs> Listen, Ash, I know that you, you know, you've been in sport, you've, you're interested in sport and you've been in business a long time. And, you know, you, I'd love to know more about how you got into kind of sports psychology, if I may, because, you know, you, you've, you've gone through a bit of a journey and stuff like that. Do you mind if you're just for the uh, sake of the audience, would you mind just giving us a little bit of a snapshot? Yeah. Long story. I um, was at school left-handed dyslexic. Didn't know it at the time. Um, Left school at 15 or just over uh, with absolutely no qualifications. Mm. And I was lucky enough. I had an interview to work, in the dockyard as it was in uh, the dockyard in Chatham in uh, UK. And it wasn't a test, it was an IQ test. And I did quite well in it, funnily enough. I think I had an IQ in double figures. (laughs) (laughs) And I got a job as uh, an electrical apprentice, but it was like being in prison Mm. and I couldn't stand it. And I was gonna leave and go and uh, do a labouring job on a building site because I was playing uh, football uh, semi-professionally and uh, after leaving a a, a football league club um, through injury and then I started playing semi-professionally. I was also keeping a door on a nightclub because of 
my martial arts experience from an early age. <laughs> so I had all these little jobs and I thought, I sod it, I'm just going to go and work on a building site. And my mate's dad said, don't do that. Come and work for me as an apprentice heating fitter. So I did. I went and did that and um, finished my apprenticeship with him working with my best mate. Mm. Got to 21. I'd had a, I was married. I had a mortgage and my best mate's dad said, oh, I'm going to sell the business, but you'll be all right. So two months into the new business owners, they sacked me and the mate because they felt, felt we was a threat to the business and we had to start our own. And I, that's how I started in business for myself at 21 with a business partner. Six years later, we had 85 people working for us and we was doing an immense amount of work. So that grew, crash come in 1990 with a, a, a property market and everything. Uh, I sold my shares to my business partner and went and started, followed my passion selling cars, which was lovely. Um, <laughs> Well, it's cars. I'm a car. I'm a car. As in, tar. like, as in, like, classic cars or just normal cars? No, just run of the mill. Just you know, the the, the top of the range one at the time was a twenty five thousand XJS, which in nineteen ninety one was a lot of money, and the cheapest one was a Ford Sierra. Ford Sierra, uh, I remember that. <laughs> Ford remember Sierra did did really well at that. Um, built that business up. Um, but I, uh, again, got up to about 75 staff and I had a car hire and minibus, uh, car van and minibus hire company. And what I was doing, and I, and I couldn't work it out. I was one minute I'm high, I'm on the ceiling. Come on, let's crack this on. Everything's there. And then the next minute, I'm the, probably the most miserable bloke on the planet. Hmm. And it was getting to such a state that my uh, wife at the time, she said to me, you're unbearable to live with. She said, I can't stand where one minute you're, you know, you're a million miles an hour and the next minute you can't get out of bed, you don't give a toss and everything's going. Mm. She said, I think you need to go and see the doctor. And I said, get out of it. I'm not going to see a doctor, but there's, mm. there's nothing wrong with me. It's normal. <clears throat> sure. So she said, either you go and see a doctor or I'm going. And obviously I've got three young boys. I couldn't, you know, really do that. So I went to see the doctor and he, he diagnosed me with manic depression or bipolar disorder. Right. Okay. Uh, which, you know, was a, was a big shock to me. And then he medicated me. And I just lost that sharp edge that was around my mind. I, I don't know if, uh, how to explain that. It was just, it was like I was looking through a haze all the time. And mm. although I wasn't as low as I was, I, I couldn't get that sharp mind back that was the bit that was creative, that pushed me, that was motivated. And I thought, I've got to get out of this. I've got to, I've got to find out how I can beat this without medication. Right. And that's how I started studying psychology. Interesting. And um, yeah, it, it, was, it was an interesting bit, really, because mm. I'd never thought about it. I'd... You know, I'd, I'd had a, a brief encounter with uh, Tony Robbins and he's, I think it was called Get the Edge at the time. Yeah. And I went off and did some stuff with that in Hawaii, which was brilliant. Best, you know, best week I had for mindset because I never even thought about mm. changing my mind. I thought I'm just what I am. This is me. Sure. 
And, you know, it changed. So I, I did that, started, did the NLP and started studying psychology with the Open University. Did clinical psychology for a couple of years to actually work out the basics and then started pushing towards business psychology. So I started looking at behavior patterns and language patterns of business owners. And then I finished my degree and this little thing popped up and said, oh, you know, like the Open University does it and about doing a doctorate in sports psychology. And I thought, oh, yeah, do you know what? I love I love this. I've played football. I've played uh, cricket from a country 52 times. I've, you know, fought in the European Karate Championships as a junior. I'm, I love sport. Yeah, let's do this. So I did it, didn't realise what it was, ended up interviewing 100 uh, professional footballers about their pre-match routines. And that's what I wrote my uh, thesis on. Nice. And yeah, it was, it was great because understanding their mindset before they go out and how much that mind affects their performance, where if, if you or I said, well, like putting your kit bag in a certain way under your seat, actually made you perform better before I did what I did I said well you bit stupid or something that bat it's like wearing we got a mate that comes to football with us we I've got a season ticket at a premiership premiership club and he won't change his shirt he's got curry stains down it and everything and he won't change it because we're on a winning streak and then we lose and I say to him but the shirt didn't work he said oh I must have got something on it, and it but but that's his belief and that's that's the thing it's what you believe that drives you. And, and I know that was a long story, but that's how, for me, I've got into the performance psychology of stuff and, mm. and working out how do we close that gap between good and great. Mm. Love it. Very good. Fascinating, actually. And thanks for sharing that with us because... Uh, you know, I, I, love, I love listening to... I Actually, that's something that I didn't know about you with regards to the whole kind of, I knew about the whole kind of up, forward and downhill type of thing of, of running a business, but you know, the, the sports element of stuff, I never knew that about you. So yeah, that was, that was fascinating. Now you work with a lot of sports celebrities. You look, you work with a lot of football players in particular athletes and stuff like that. Why do they come to you, Ash? Well, what is it that their, their big problem is? Do, do you know what, you know, our fate actually deals its hand. So I, I did that. I did that um, PhD in, in sports, and um, I got involved with. I from before my previous business, I used to sponsor a football league team. Okay. And um, we, you know, we put money into that club. Uh, and what used to happen is I ended up, you know, getting involved socially. So I met some players, made some really good mates, and two of them said, "We've just bought this business, this uh, sports and social club." with two other guys, we haven't got a lot of idea how to run it. Would you come and help us run it? So I said, yeah, all right. So I've got involved with them. And then one of them's a manager in, in the club that I used to sponsor now. Mm. And they'd just been knocked out of the FA Cup by his former non-league club. Mm. Uh, they were second from bottom. And he said, Ash, um, come, come along and uh, help us, will you do it? I said, yeah, well, I'm a bit nervous because I've not actually worked in it. And I've gone along, the chairman said to me, uh, hello, Ash, yeah, pleased to meet you. And I said, hello, chairman, what would you like to get from this? He said, I want three points Saturday, otherwise you're gone. <laughs> I thought, oh, right, thank you. He stood me in front of the whole playing staff or all of the staff, the kit men, the, 
the physios a lot. And I'm just thinking he's going to introduce me. He said, oh, right, Ash, here you go, mate. Uh, Ash is going to do a session with you. He's our new sports psychologist. He's helping you, right? Uh, he's going to do a session now, 45 minutes. <laughs> I've got no preparation. I've not done it. And all of a sudden, that imposter syndrome bit is going, oh, my God, what if they find me? <laughs> anyway, I, I took the biggest guy in there, the 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 uh, alpha male in the situation, if you like, who's yeah. now a really good mate and he's still playing and he, he had a game uh, Monday and I, I love the guy to death. I'm not going to say who it is. And everybody's looking up to him and I did some uh, muscle testing stuff and say, this is how the mind works on your muscles. And I had them in, in, in my hand. It was like they were there. So... We went, they hadn't won away for 34 games, nothing Whoa. away from home. My first game with them, we went away and won. And 2-1 uh, first bit. And then we just went on an unbeaten run and went from second from bottom in the league to fifth. So the BBC got uh, interested in that. They come and made a documentary on the, in the Football League Club, which went out all over BBC. Nice. And very shortly after that, uh, a manager, sorry, a mum come to me and said about her son with anger issues, great footballer, but he had, he, you know, he wanted to fight everybody. Mm. Long story, but so I started working with him and then people see that and then it just come, it come from referrals from everything and that's how it just happened, that people just come and talk to me and say, My, I've got this problem, can you deal with it? And asked me, oh, yeah, of course I can. So, and that's how I ended up working with the footballers. And it still comes from referrals today. Do you think that in that situation, when you did some, when you worked with the team, what do you think the main blockages and the reasons why they weren't performing to a particular level? What were, from your perspective? A, a lot of it, it's, it's interesting because in, in that situation, it was, it was a communication issue. Yeah. So if, you, if, we, if we say we break that club down into three areas, so we break it down into the management team, the uh, playing staff, and then the physios and, you know, the fitness people. So there's right. three areas. Yeah. And the three areas weren't communicating. So the players would say, oh, the physios, they're just not doing this. And the management don't understand. The management would say the players, oh, well, they're just not listening. And the physios, well, you know, they haven't got the resource. And everybody's moaning about everybody else. So the, the first thing I really did, I brought them all together and set the rules for communication for everyone. So everybody had a way of communicating. We talked to the manager. Now, you'll, you'll know as well as I do that it's generally people, they process information in three different ways. So there'd be the, the thinker, the one that likes loads of data, the feeler that's very emotional, and then the the knower that oh just come on let's just get on with it I just I want to do it easy action taker mm -hmm. but if you speak to the thinker and say with an action remark say right well, you're just not doing this you're rubbish he'll be thinking well why aren't why, why am I not doing it why am I rubbish what facts have you got what evidence mm -hmm. have you got you say it to the feeler and the feelers then gone into one emotional meltdown because he's you know he's thinking. Well, that's not fair. That makes mm. me, that makes me feel that you don't want me, you don't value me. Right. So when you do it like that, the first bit was actually getting people to be able to communicate and understand that the other person in front of them 
could be one of three types that's not necessarily the same as them. Sure. And once we started all communicating, the language on the pitch was different. The language from the manager to the team was different. And we was then um, pretty much stuck together, if that makes sense. It was, mm. it was a, a cohesive unit. Does that make sense, Adam? Absolutely. It makes sense. Com- completely makes sense. And I love it the way that you, you kind of said about the whole kind of cohesiveness and, and gelling together, I suppose, in a way. And, and, you know, and that was one of the big blockages or challenges within the team. And it kind of gets them to go from a place of I'm not so good to a place of, wow, we, we're an invincible type of thing. I love that. It's, it's a great analogy. Now, you've been working in the field of sport, entrepreneurship, business. What links have you found between the two? And what can we take from elite sport and bring it into more of how I want to be a successful businessman or I want to be a successful entrepreneur? What can we take in terms of that? What can we learn from elite sport? Okay, that's a, that's a great question. So I think... Uh, you're a sportsman, I'm a sportsman, you're a businessman, I'm a businessman. The, the common denominator for me in that is uh, the will to win, okay, and, and not giving up. You know, for me as a sportsman, I, I want to win. Why, why am I now? I mean, it's, I'm down to playing golf now because I'm getting on a bit, but <laughs> I, I want to win. Okay, when I stand on there and I'm standing on that tee, I want to win. Whoever I'm against, I want to win. If I'm against myself, I want to win. So I accept that I'm a winner. Mm. Business is the same. I want to be the best business that I can be for the goals that I've set myself. So that winning element for me is, I believe, is crucial that you want to do what it takes to win. Now, I, I see lots of people... There's, there's a big difference between good and great in sport, you know, mm-hmm. and that is the mindset of that. But they, they're not prepared to do what it really takes to go to that next level. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of business people out there that have still got that employee mindset is, oh, it's my own business. So I'll, I'll go in a bit later today um, and I'll, I'll finish early today. Well, it's my business. I'm the boss. I'll do what I like. And the reality is it's not like that. You know, I've got a mentality I, I you know I, I own my own business four of them and I only work half days that's all I alone work half day in my business there's 24 hours in the day and I work 12 of them and that that to me is what it's about because yeah. it's the I I will not be beaten and that is where sport and business comes together I'm determined to do what it takes to to achieve the goal that I want Mm. whatever that's you know financial whatever do you know what it's a really interesting thought process here because you know i agree with some with your point about the whole kind of you know creating that competitive edge the fact that you know we all want to become winners but then an interesting conversation with uh, dr marshall goldsmith from last week's podcast and the fact that <clears throat> if you were a it doesn't matter who you are say you're a ceo of a, a million or a billion pound company or whatever it is and the fact that a lot of people just don't like to lose, right? But then, but then, what is the up, the downfalls of? Okay, well, hang on a second. We don't like to lose, and I and I used the analogy, and Marshall uh, was extremely good with this, and he was saying that he was working with a client. I think he was the CEO of a, of World Bank, World Bank, and uh, and he only coaches millionaires and billionaires, 
And he said, he said this particular client had made a donation to his charity the day before, $360 million. And then he, now with, if you want to work with Marshall, you have to obey by the rules, essentially, you know, he picks his clients, right? And he's, you know, yes. he's good at what he does. And so it's rightly so. And so one of the things that he gets his clients to do before they work with him is they get him and he got me to do it as well, to put their hand up and say, I promise, okay, that I, whatever I'm going to be taught, I'm going to say, thank you. Okay. So thank you. So no arguing, no questioning, uh, just thank you. So this particular CEO who he was coaching kept on arguing because it kept on arguing with him and saying, Hey, so this is what you got to do. This is what you got to do, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, and then he was questioning him. And then for every time a client argues with Marshall, they find, he finds them $20. Okay. And now at the end of this, right at the end of this, this is an interesting concept. He got to about 300 bucks and the, and the chap turned around and then this guy's, this guy's really wealthy. He turns around and he said, wow, this is an expensive session. And he goes, what do you mean? You, this, this money that I've just find you is going to the charity that you donated $360 million you, to yesterday. How's that expensive? He said, the only di what, what the big difference is, is you don't like to lose. That's the only difference. No one likes to lose. Interesting, huh? Well, there are two really good points there. And I think I, <laughs> I never lose, Adam. I either win or I learn. Okay. Mm. So for me, I, I look at that with everything. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm losing a business, mm. you know, when, when we lost everything in that uh, uh, property crash back in yes. the nineties, yes. I learned from that. And the biggest learning point from that, yeah, I lost, you know, a few quid, but the biggest thing for me for that is I learned not to put all of my eggs in one basket, not to have mm. all of my income streams in one place. And, and I, I constantly learn with that. And I think, and one of the things that you're saying about that, I, I also, I will interview my clients and we have to have an agreement. Yes. And it, part of that agreement is that if you say you're going to do it, you do it, okay? Because otherwise there's no point in us working together. Mm -hmm. I'm not interested in working with entrepreneurs, if you like, people that want to be, but actually will not put in what it takes. Mm -hmm. So I've got a questionnaire with all of my uh, clients that come to work with me personally. They've got to want to do it. The other thing is I ask them when they do this, and it's in my first book, quite a big article about this bit, is I need you to suspend your beliefs. Whatever you believe before you work with me, yeah. when you're with me, you need to stop believing that. Otherwise, you're just justifying what you know instead of finding out what you don't. True. And, and that is not a growth mindset. No. You know, the, the first explanation for me to, to my clients is this is fixed. This is growth. Which one do you want to stay? Yeah. So then they agree to come into a growth mindset. So therefore, they have to open their mind to a different way of thinking. Yeah. Because their way of thinking has given them what they got. Mm. So, sorry, does that answer that? In Absolutely. No, no, way? no. It does. It does. You know, I, I was actually having to think about something, and something, something really uh, occurred to me when I was preparing for um, our chat. And as as as, we, as we'd already established, um, you work with a lot of sports celebrities and, and elite sports people, but you also work with entrepreneurs and business owners. My question yeah. is, is how does some of your clients deal with the deal with pressure? Because 
interestingly enough, I know that, you know, as the world is evolving, you know, people, may, I think that a lot of people feel that they're, they're pressured into, not into doing something that they don't want to do, but how do we, how do we deal with pressure? You know, whether it be internal pressure, whether it be external pressure, um, love to kind of have a, a dialogue about that. Okay. So interesting. What, what is pressure? What is stress? So to me, there's no such thing as stress, just people having stressful thoughts. True, true. So the stress that we create or the pressure that we create on ourselves comes from the thoughts that we have about something. And generally it comes from catastrophizing events that are going to go forward. Mm. That, that is the bit. So we look at this and the pressure comes from what if I don't do this? What if I don't meet this goal? What if I do this and it goes wrong? Mm. So once you start to put that pressure on yourself, that's all created by the thoughts you have. So what about if your thoughts were different to that and you focused on the process of doing what you know right without focusing on the outcome. See, when I turn up on a golf course, and I, you know, I've played in lots of competitions where, especially some celebrity pro-ams, and I'm standing on the tee, and there might be, I don't know, 100 people watching, and I'm standing there in the tee, is my mind thinking, are this lot thinking he's a complete twat, will he mess it up? Or am I thinking, right, swing easy, finish looking good? Because I know that if I swing easy through my routine and finishing this you know the fixed pose i know i followed through and i fit i'm not worried about what they are my thought process uh, my thoughts are on the process not on the outcome because the outcome creates the pressure and then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because that's what happens if you, if you think you're not good enough you won't be good enough if you believe it you will perceive it and believe me you will receive yeah. it interesting so you know, and that to me is a bit, it, I, you know, I take a lot of stick about this because people say, well, stress is real. Yes, it's real, but you've created it by the thoughts. So stop having the thoughts. It's Sorry, does that, does, yeah, does that it, sound harsh, mate? No, 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 it doesn't at all. I think, uh, interestingly enough, it's that, you know, when we're talking about this subject, is that it's your reality at the end of the day. Your belief system is your reality. No one's going to convince you otherwise, but whatever you believe no. is, is your reality. Yes. So we come back full circle there. So when you're working with me, the first bit is suspend your beliefs. Now you think about it, if I can give you an analogy for that, you go to the cinema to watch James Bond. Okay. Right. And you walk in there and then James Bond is run along the top of a train and there's this digger in there. I don't know if you can remember that one. I, I can't and remember that. The, <laughs> the digger comes through the, the roof of the carriage and then he jumps off the arm of the digger into the carriage straightens his jacket up and walks in. You don't sit there thinking, nah, that's a load of rubbish. That couldn't happen like that. If I did that, I'd fall off and or I'd miss it with a dick. You don't think that. No. You get absorbed into it. So you've, what you've actually done, you've suspended your beliefs from that, that reality. It's no different to that in life. You, you know, just because I believe that, it doesn't make it real. You go back to Copernicus, you know, and the earth revolving around the sun and the sun revolving around the earth argument. One minute they believe this, the next minute they believe something completely different. But beforehand, they didn't know what they didn't know. Interesting. Does, does that make sense? Absolutely. 100% makes sense. Um, You've got to suspend those beliefs, mate. 
No, I, I absolutely agree. With regards to, and I want to go back to you working with some of your clients. What have you found in terms of their the habits? And, and we talked about this on Clubhouse, actually. If you guys don't know what Clubhouse is, it's an app which is particularly for Apple users. Um, you can follow myself and Ash Lawrence on, uh, on, on Clubhouse. We have some great conversations. We had a great conversation a couple of days ago. And I'd like to talk about some of the habits that you have uh, discovered that they embrace to enhance their high performance or call it high performance habits and what uh, some of our listeners could also take away from. What have you found uh, in terms of that? Okay, that's really good. So if you think about us as human beings, about 85%-ish, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a rough number there, of our daily actions and everything we do are habitual. Mm-hmm. So I cannot give you an example for this because this is quite important. Absolutely. So when, when I was at uni, uh, we, we were doing this lecture, and I, you know the way the Open University works, you go and do a stay away at a uni in different places. Sure. And we was there, and we in sort of an amphitheater looking down on the stage, and on the stage there's a table with a box with a red cloth over it. Mm-hmm. And there's about 150 of us all sitting, and, and we're yakking away as you do and talking and looked at the box, and then the professor walks on the back of the stage and stands, so a few people then shut up, but the rest keep talking. He walks up to the box, takes the red cloth off, and underneath there's this glass box, and inside is a crystal ball. And then now a few more of us are actually looking at what's happening, and he lifts the box off, picks the crystal ball up, and holds it up to the audience and says to everybody, if I looked in this crystal ball and said to you, I could predict with 93% accuracy where you will be in five years time, what would you all say? And we've all gone, yeah, of course you can, mate. You know, what a load of rubbish. Crystal balls don't work. But then he went on to actually say that, and this is that our past behavior predicts our future behavior. So if we've had a habit in the past, the chances are that it will continue into our future. It teaches me to look for habit patterns with people. Mm. So I look for those negative habit patterns. I look for the, you know, the compulsive negative habit pattern or the inhibitive negative habit pattern. I look for the, uh, the habit patterns in their language. So our habit drills us. Okay, why does the elephant stay with that tiny little rope around his ankle and a stake in the ground? Why does he stay there? Because he's got learned behavior and it's a habit. He pulled trees out of the ground with his trunk. Why is he worried about that silly little stake? True. Because he's learned it. And as human beings, we do that. So our habits and our beliefs keep us where we are. So for me, understanding that, mm. that you need to change that and you break that in down into tiny little bits, action bits every day. Love it. Very cool. Um, I have to ask you, because I don't, I'm not sure if you get asked this very often, but I, I'm, I'm kind of drawn to your polo shirt, which is flip-flop psycho. I'd love to know <laughs> what the frick is a flip-flop psycho and how did that how did that come about? Flip-flop psycho, hashtag flip-flop psycho. It's everywhere. Y- years ago, I, I'd got a personal trainer. He's a good mate now. And uh, I'd go to his studio and I'd be in there three times a week. And... Um, one of the guys in there was working with a guy that owned a hotel mm. 
And so he's, he's phoned me up, uh, the hotel owner, and he said, Ash, can you come and do a talk for us uh, about what you do? I said, yeah, of course I will. And I'm there and he's turned up late. He owns a hotel and he's turned up late. Anyway, we, I've done the seminar and he's ended up on one of my uh, courses. Mm -hmm. And I've said, right, okay, please introduce yourself. And he said, right, my name's John. So uh, I've got the guy come asked to talk. I've turned up and I'm expecting to see this guy in a suit, you know, all suited and booted on the stage, looking like this super duper psychologist. And I've got this six foot four bloke in shorts, flip flops and a Tottenham shirt. <laughs> and he said, and it's a bloody flip-flop psycho, you know, and from that is how it started because I, you, you've met me. I'm, all, I'm always in shorts and flip-flops, you know, because I've had enough in a suit. I, I, I don't believe that, you know, lots of people say, well, it's the first impression how you dress. Do you know what? People remember me because when I'm walking around in the snow and I've got shorts and flip-flops, they say, look at that idiot in his shorts and flip-flops, but they will remember me. And, and that's how it started. And, it, and it's been our most successful brand because I don't need to carry business cards anymore. I, I, well, obviously none of us do at the moment, but um, I just say to people, just hashtag flip-flop psycho. And I'm obviously top of Google. It's everywhere. So it, it works. That's how it was. I love it. That's the only so time fun. I haven't got any flip-flops on is if I'm in the gym and I've got my trainers on. <laughs> you know what? And uh, it's interesting because, you know, here in Cyprus, for example, they know who we are, by the way. British people, they all know. Everyone in the world knows who British people are. You've got sandals and socks on. Sandals you? and socks on, number one. And sandals, socks and shorts in freezing cold weather. And they're all looking and thinking this guy crazy or something or girl or whatever it is but it's normally the guys actually which is you know quite interesting um, i'll tell you we uh, my wife and i we not last year but the year before for her birthday we went to iceland oh yeah and I, i'm not talking about the shop i'm talking about the country <laughs> and as everywhere i've, I've taken my shorts and flip-flops first day out i've always a bit chilly in minus 14. <laughs> and I was getting some weird looks then, I tell you. But it, it lasted for about half an hour and I was back in and I had to put trousers on. <laughs> you, know, you know, when I was in Sweden, uh, I, again, I tried to wear shorts and maybe not flip-flops, but definitely wear shorts and T-shirt. And, you know, it's interesting because people are so sensitive they're wearing their overalls and their winter woolly hats and gloves and there's me in my shorts and t-shirt and they're like you cuckoo what's the matter with you <laughs> yeah i love it i love it so funny. I, I think do you know what i think it's again this this comes back you know the whole psychology thing yeah um i did a talk uh a few years back at um quite a big london teaching hospital to 150 surgeons and anaesthetists and i've turned up in my shorts and flip-flops and my Tottenham shirt. You can tell I'm a big Tottenham fan. <laughs> and nobody would talk to me at the coffee table or the tea table because, you know, they're all coming in to see these speakers. Yeah. Obviously, they didn't know I was the keynote speaker. <laughs> and no, nobody would talk. They, I couldn't engage them. They would say, oh, yeah, hello, uh, and polite, and then walk away from me. So I stood up on the stage. I'm up behind the lectern. And I started telling a story about being summoned to court for a charge of assaulting a police officer. So I described the courtroom and I say, you know, the police officer, the three magistrates and the accused. 
and I start to tell it and then I say, right, put your hand up, all those that think I'm the accused. And 90% of the room have got their hand up, right? Because they've judged me because I've got, oh, it's probably the Tottenham shirt more than the flip socks. <laughs> Football hooligan. But, that, but that's what people do. They take a look and they judge. And, you know, then I went on to say to them, well, you know, I was the chair of the magistrates. You know, I'm also a doctor, like, you know, all of you just in a different way. And when you judge people that are coming in, you need to be aware of where you're making those judgments around people because mm. that book isn't always what the cover says it is. No, absolutely. 100% agree. So listen, I know we're coming towards towards the end of our interview and whatever it is. It's been great to great for you. Great for us to be on the, great for you to be on the show. Really enjoyed having our conversations. So um, if, if any of the listeners here want to get in contact with you and uh, what's the best way to do that? Hashtag flip flop psycho. There you go. Hashtag flip. And we'll put that in the, and we'll put that down, down in the uh, dialogue below. So make sure you go to that hashtag guys. And, and also yeah, like all of it will be there. So LinkedIn, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, yeah. it, it's all there, but the, the easiest, if you can't remember my name, you remember flip flop psycho. It's at the top of Google and then all the contacts you'll find there. Very good. So listen, guys, make sure that you connect with Ash. Uh, mention the Game Changers Experience podcast because he knows where you come from and you're just not kind of some stranger. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. But anyway, it's all good. <laughs> so listen, hope you've enjoyed. I've had strange people, mate. Oh, mate, it's, it's, it's just a way of life, really, isn't it? Talking to you, am I? <laughs> That's a compliment. I take that as a compliment. So, so listen, guys, hope you've enjoyed today's show. If you have enjoyed today's show and you're listening to this on Apple, please do me a favor, leave a one or a five-star review, whatever you felt was of good value to you. And we'll see you again on the next show. Take care. See you soon. Bye-bye. Hey, you guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the Game Changers Experience. I hope that you got some amazing value, some great insights and golden nuggets that you can implement into your business straight away. I would really, really appreciate it if you could leave a five-star review on the button below. Have a fantastic day and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care.